1: Hello and welcome to the WrestleMania 38 Night 1 review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the deadly boys, Michael Hamphlet from What Culture, Phil Chambers from What Culture, and Simon Miller from What Culture. To review night one of WrestleMania 38. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet, Phil, and Miller to review night one of WrestleMania 38. We are still in the shadow of the AT&T Stadium. We are in a bar across the road from it, basically. Uh, WrestleMania 38 Night One has just finished Hamflet. Uh Your take on the whole night before we dive into all the matches.
4: We're in the shadow of the stadium, Wilborn, and we're in the shadow of history. It has been nineteen long years. The listeners don't need me to tell them. You guys are on this table, don't need me to tell them. It's been nineteen long years since Simon Miller has been in a What Culture Wrestling podcast. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be part of that podcast. But also he shares that honour with Steve Austin, who returned at the ring tonight. Who the, uh, the, what
3: Culture Wrestling podcast? the side of <laughs> if
4: only. The side of history that we are on tonight is something quite special and I don't think I'll forget for a very long time. We arrived in Dallas, Texas, hoping to pop at the smashing of the glass. Instead, it was the ringing of a bell that I think we might all remember. WWE, for once, didn't take the piss. They built a card that was far from perfect to begin with, but understood that it could graduate in quality, in drama, in stakes, as it went along, and they presented that card. I sound shocked saying it, I know, but I can't believe they did it. I'm not sure that WrestleMania night one will go down as the greatest WrestleMania of all time, but it was remarkable and special and historic, and they don't do that very often, and they did it tonight.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair to say it far exceeded expectations. I think, you know, me, you, and, and Sidgwick, in the in the build to this, have said, oh, there's some potential for some great stuff in there. You've got Roman and Brock, obviously, tomorrow night. You had Charlotte and Ronda. You had Becky and Bianca. And you had the potential for Stone Cold. You had the potential for Cody Rhodes. But aside from that, and, and the, the other two, those two there weren't guaranteed. We were all looking at it. I think it's fair to say that we were thinking, "Ugh, this could be," you know, arguably the worst two-night WrestleMania with fans in attendance because it felt like they would sort of half-assed it. And yet. They've just been sort of saving everything for the last minute. Let's dive straight into the card, Phil. Apologies, this is a bit of a hospital pass for you because we have to start at the beginning of the card. In fact, you know what, I'll cover off first of all the fact that we're not going to be talking about the New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Bloody Holland because uh, that was cut. Um, we are hoping that that will be added either tomorrow night, uh, either just to the, to the main card or the kickoff because... We love the New Day and Sheamus and Ridge Holland and Butch, of course, despite his name, deserves uh, a spot on that card. And, you know, we, we, we know about timing issues, but we also sat there in the stadium for an hour during the kickoff where nothing happened. There was a very enjoyable DJ, but no wrestling happened. But yeah, Phil, let's dive in tra- straight into the first match. The Usos versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Um, Because this is tinged with with a great deal of sadness, of course. It was the the SmackDown Tag Team titles. There was a a great deal of anticipation in the air. And then, unfortunately, it all fell to pieces because of Rick Boogs' injury. The Usos retaining. They hit the uh, 1D to get the victory. But it was uh, completely overshadowed by uh, Boogs' injury. And we wish him well in his recovery.
3: It's a sad one, this one. Because in the What Culture Office especially, we have been massive fans of Rick Boogs. Since the moment he appeared at that NXT show and it wasn't even like televised or anything. We just saw the videos come out and he came out to his music and just rocked out for a bit and then disappeared. And we've been a fan of him ever since and he followed us all and it's really, really nice. Um, And it's like his first big WrestleMania moment and like it was almost the first move he really did. He came up and obviously he does all those moves where he just lifts people up and down all the time. Uh, and he did a move where he lifted one of the Usos and he like, went down to his knee and he lifted them back up again and did it. But then when he went to do something else along those lines, his knee just completely buckled out from underneath him. Uh, he immediately went down to hold it and rolled out to the outside and then the referee threw up the X sign um, and that's when we kind of knew something was very wrong and the people were checking on him from the outside and then obviously he was we the arena. We saw him get carried out afterwards and it's turned out he's tore his quad um, and it just absolutely sucks. He was like... Just starting on his sort of main roster career, he'd been there with Shinsuke. It's been really, really entertaining. And sort of finally getting this moment on the main roster to just be taken away from him at, at WrestleMania of all places. And like just have the rug pulled out from underneath him. Um, so it's really, really sad for Boogs. So I really hope he gets well soon and he isn't out for too long. And they blatantly called an audible with the ending to this match as well. Like, um, as soon as it happened, the match ended. Very quickly afterwards, Shinsuke and Jimmy Uso and the Usos covered as much as they possibly could. And I think they covered it quite well, to be honest with you, um, in recalling the finish. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a really sad start to the show. I'm not going to go Simon Miller next, purely because uh, I've got to wait
1: around for the mid-roll ad to kick in. But also, <laughs> because I genuinely want to know your thoughts, Miller, on uh, on Logan Paul's performance. So I'm going I'm to come to you okay. for that match. So instead, I'm going to come to you, Hamlet, for Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. A tease of something that we, we speculated on. There was some miscommunication early on with Mad Cat Moss. He jumped up on the apron. He was singing the praises of his boy, um, but Corbyn didn't want anything to do with it. Nothing more on that for now. You know, potentially going forward, especially with the, uh, the spectre, let's say, of the uh, Andrew the Giant Memorial Trophy <laughs> hanging over all this, as was advertised on the, uh, I think, the kickoff show. Or the Andre the Giant, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um... <laughs> The first ever kick out from the end of days by Drew McIntyre against Happy Corbin. He hit the Claymore for the win and then he got his sword out and sliced up the ropes which caused all manner of problems. But what did you make of this feud that has been going on for for quite some time, it's fair to say.
4: Yeah, this match was what it was. And unfortunately, what it was was the culmination of a story that WWE had allowed to run out of juice a long time ago. We'd witnessed this story pivot into being more about Baron Corbin's gradual split with Madcap Moss than it was a grand payoff between um, Happy Corbin and Drew McIntyre. And unfortunately, the match remained a backdrop to that until they had to get to a finishing segment that was extremely sacrificial. This was, like, not to be cruel, agented as a WWE TV match. Happy Corbin plays his role with remarkable aplomb, and Drew McIntyre was a game show host during a pandemic. So I think it's fair to say that they probably deserved a little bit more than what they were given here. Madcap was great on the outside. The man's got springs in the heels of his boots and I love to watch him live because I get to see him whisk around the ring and just really get into character and do this. A great bumper, yet again, taking that uh, overhead belly-to-belly suplex off true. because um, he is apparently completely fearless and has already forgotten what happened at Elimination Chamber. But, um, yeah, it was... It was odd. I, I do see why if you're going to give something away like that kick out, you do it at WrestleMania. This is the old, this is what all the veterans would say, right? If you're going to do it, you save it for the big stage, you save it for the big night. Don't do it when they're going to forget about it. I'm not suggesting people are going to forget about this today, but I'm slightly worried they might forget about it tomorrow. Um, the second match on a WrestleMania card, a match that didn't feature too many like breakout moments, something that... Look, we've left the building, we've come to record this podcast, we've, speak, we've spoke to a few people on the way, and in that time, has this match yet come up in your conversations? You yeah. know, I'm getting shaking heads here. That's the point here. So it might not be until the days and the weeks and months that people remember, oh, hang on, Corbin lost his finisher tonight, so the questions are already going to be asked whether or not that was a worthwhile sacrifice. And Drew, again, like we're beating the same old drum over and over again, until we see him get a WWE title in a stadium. I really think those are the stakes now. Until we see him get a WWE title in a stadium, it will feel like he has been hard done by. The pandemic went away in the most glorious of fashions in the main event. We're going to get to that later, and I can't wait for that callback. But it hasn't paid Drew McIntyre back yet, and triggering Pyro by cutting the ring with a sword (laughs) is not payback. Not just a series of slightly sad feelings rather than any kind of takeaway about a high-quality match.
1: Let's move on next to the Mysterios versus The Miz and Logan Paul. I'm going to do this in a weird sort of order because I do want to mention the betrayal post-match, like we always said. (laughs) All right, maybe not the Mysterios. It was The Miz turning on Logan Paul. We'll we'll talk about that in in due course. But, Miller, um, I'd love to get your thoughts. As someone who's not as new to wrestling as Logan Paul is or certainly professional wrestling as Logan Paul is, but I have to say I, I, I had high hopes for this because, you know, we know about... Logan Paul's athletic background, and we saw the incredible picture of the gear that he had, which I want to give him great credit for. I thought him and them is looked fantastic there, um, and I, I just thought he worked this match perfectly. You know, he he hit a running power slam that looked sensational early on. Uh, there was a tease uh, of of the three amigos from uh, I think he was a Ray or Dominant, I can't remember exactly, but then the person who actually hit the three amigos was Logan Paul, followed by a frog splash for a great near fall. Um, the finish saw um, The Miz using his crafty tag team ways, um, allow his partner to get 619 basically, and do the old, uh, the Iconics illegal tag, basically. He snuck in, hit a skull-crushing finale on Rey Mysterio and uh, got his team the one two three. As I mentioned, The Miz turning on Logan Paul post-match. And uh, Phil pointed out to the rest of us that he, uh, he said, well, what the flip, basically, is what I'm willing to say here. But Miller, yeah, your thoughts on, on, on the match and specifically Logan Paul's performance, because... The general consensus, we talked to some fans outside and they weren't the biggest fans of Logan Paul's for for understandable reasons. But I think in terms of in-ring, he's got incredible potential, hasn't he?
5: Oh, he's an athlete, right? I think that's only fair to say. Whether you like him or not, he's absolutely an athlete. And I also think, given his background, he understands professional wrestling. I mean, he came out, I believe, with the world's most expensive Pokemon card around his neck. (laughs) I I thought it was one of, but I've since been... uh, I've It was the. And that's just wonderful because you may as well be going, I'm rich, you're not. Leave me alone. Which begs the question why they did what they did at the end. That there, was, there was no way, be it at WrestleMania as we saw, or at WrestleMania Backlash or SummerSlam whenever they decide to do the, the one-on-one match, that Logan Paul is going to be cheered and The Miz is going to be booed. Especially because a live crowd will always enjoy somebody turning on somebody else in the fashion that The Miz did, especially because it almost makes The Miz a caricature of himself. But no, in terms of... What I really get annoyed about when these sort of celebrities come in and have a match, same with Bad Bunny and uh, whoever, Stephen Amel, they go, oh, it always comes out, oh, well, they practice the match for many weeks beforehand. Okay, good. Like, what, you, you want to throw them in there and just hope that it goes okay? As instead of going, well, why don't we practice so it is really good? And I know from doing it that you can't just practice, practice, practice and have fundamentals down and timing down and instincts down. And he just had those, you know, he just had those things. And. I thought the way he did the Three Amigos and the Frog Splash, and the, his, the way he looked at the crowd, the hard cam, his facial expressions. It wasn't it,
1: robotic, was it? And it
5: wasn't robotic at all. And I thought he absolutely outdid himself. I think he smashed whatever expectations there were for people. And I think the only real shame, and hopefully WWE can change tact with this, is that they understand they are not going to get Logan Paul cheered. He wasn't cheered <laughs> in his hometown. He's not going to be cheered to anybody else. But no, I thought this was exactly what it needed to be. I'm sure that Rey Mysterio had a huge hand in putting it all, all together as well. I thought Dominic was very good too. Yep. I, you know, that's a conversation to be had. But I thought everyone did what they had to do here. And also, Dominic's gear was a tribute to uh, Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero. So I thought that was... It was just so much to he's it.
4: real dad.
5: It's yeah, real dad, exactly. <laughs> so I just thought there was so much to it. And it has left me well that's it and oh the rumor God. has been that logan paul maybe hang around for a little while i'm totally cool with it i'm totally cool with it. i think he totally gets wrestling i think i only get better from here and again yes as somebody that has done it in the ring i know how hard it is even if you haven't practiced it for weeks to actually go in there and pull it off which means that he gets it so i'm not a massive fan of logan paul as already stated for obvious reasons but if we are just looking at it from a professional wrestling context i mean five five out of five ten out of ten whatever we're saying
1: yeah, real surprise pack. Well, not I was going to say surprise, but not surprise package. Like you say, he's he's an athlete. He's he's come from you know he did fairly certainly did wrestling in his school days. He's uh, you know he's he's done boxing and what have you. And he just, but it's the instincts. I think you're right there, Miller. It's the instincts of you know it's all well and good saying we we do yeah we do move 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 and this is the finish. That's all well and good, but sometimes it, if they can either get lost or they just go right move 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 move. Like you say and you alluded to it there, Phil. Um the 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 awareness to just to know what not only to do what to do between moves, but when to do it. When to just Alright, let's just take a beat, let's just soak it in and let's just rile some people up. Uh right, let's move on next to the raw women's championship match between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Um we aren't going to talk too much about the entrances, but I do want to give a nod because they were just jaw-dropping from both both women. And uh, this new look from Becky Lynch is something that we can all, all appreciate. Um, and I, 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 I'm i going to wind some people up here, Hanflip, because I'm going to say this is an example of let it play out with WWE. They can do long-term storytelling just as well as anyone else because... I said this at the time, I said this when we did the SummerSlam live stream and she beat her in whatever it was, 26 seconds. I said they are going somewhere with this. And yes, I will admit, they went around the houses and they did it far too many times. That What should have happened probably is the SummerSlam match, Becky Lynch avoiding Bianca Belair every possible opportunity, and then you get to WrestleMania. But because they have 20 bloody pay-per-views or big shows that they want to do, they've run this match back like four times already. Having said that, despite everything... When Becky Lynch hit that manhandle slam after, like, 25 seconds in this match, we all went, I mean, they could, couldn't they? They could just <laughs> they could just do the whole uh, Bianca Belair's off the handshake. She's been chinned by Becky Lynch. Manhandle slam, one, two, three, and Becky Lynch just gets the heat because that's what a lot of it is about when it comes to WWE. In reality, what we got was an early contender for match of the night had not what well not not what came after it happened because they work so well together obviously they they it's understandable they're great wrestlers but they also have spent a lot of time in the ring together in uh, in recent months of course i i want to mention this i re- i mentioned this on what went down i've written a note throughout the uh, throughout the show of of I've, I've written some notes about about what happened and a lot of them i can go okay then this match and then this move happened and then this move happened and then this I've got a note here that just reads Bianca Belair is crazy strong and I don't know what that refers to so I'm just going to generically mention that yeah Bianca Belair is freakishly strong we should already know that from Wrestlemania last year but it was uh, showcased once again here uh, there was a bit where they even teased a, a count out on the steps Phil with a with a manhandle slam on the uh, on the steps as a result of that um, but in the end Bianca Belair emerged victorious to a uh, she flipped out the manhandle slam as, uh, Bian- as Becky Lynch went for it once again. She got the KOD, she got the 1-2-3, she got the Raw Women's Championship back. And as I mentioned, Phil, this was uh, yeah, an early contender for, for Match of the Night. They worked so well together. Right, before I actually get your thoughts on the match, Phil, eagle-eared <laughs> listeners will have realised this sounds rather different to a few minutes ago, and that is because we're in an entirely different location for an entirely different reason. On uh, an entirely different day. Indeed. Uh, some technical issues and some things that really require an entire episode of Wrestle Culture to explain. Um, another thing. No, Simon Miller. That possibly will be mentioned also on Wrestle Culture on Friday as to why yeah. he has disappeared. He's currently off doing something
0: rather exciting, but also rather secretive. I think yeah. it's fair to say. I like this. It's almost like we planned all these teases to get you to listen to Wrestle Culture, yeah. but really, it just all completely happened by accident. And we've got past the
1: mid-roll now, so it doesn't really matter what we say. But yes, um, we were talking a few hours ago uh, about Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, uh, and I said to you,
0: they work so well together, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. It was really, really good. Um, entrances were fantastic for this one. Becky Lynch got came out with like all the smoke, and she looked absolutely amazing with a new haircut and insane gear. Uh, Bianca Belair came out and had the whole marching band thing. It was Really, really good. And they started it really hot. Like they went straight into the big hitters, like a manhandle slam um, happened really early, and she, uh, Bianca was going for the KOD and stuff. They started it off really strong, and then just the rest of the match, they were just. Sort of laying it in, but sort of building a really great story to the finish, to where the fact that they just had all of the crowd in the palm of their hand by the end of it. Um, I think we finished this match thinking like, "Oh, no one's going to top that." Yeah. Little did we know, like, what the rest of the night had in store.
4: Yeah, what a fight this was. It wasn't. The execution wasn't perfect at points. But yeah. If anything, that served to remind you. That no matter how big the, well literally how big the stage was and how big they consider WrestleMania to be this is still a star driven industry and I hate that they won't go back to that because when matches feature stars you feel it and it feels different you know poor Bianca took a bit of a shiner of what we assume was that like flailing leg molly girl yeah. from Beckett yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't the only time where there was something a bit hesitation or a bit clunky or whatever. who cares mm. because yeah. everything as Phil points out towards the end once the drama started ratcheting up and the various near falls and things like that People were invested in the stakes. They were interested in the like, career trajectories of these women within the confines of the story. It was how you're supposed to feel about a wrestling match, you know. And I'm hoping, obviously, you know, you never quite know how it comes across on television. I'm hoping the noise that came that, that like came in the building and that came in waves as it did, all mm. that came across on television, because they really, they literally fought for it over mm. the course of the night. And it was at this point, Phil mentioning there that well, nothing's going to follow this. That I think, like, I think I lent it over to you and actually said this, Phil, like, that uh, yeah. it was occurring to me based on what was left at this point and, that, and the fact that WrestleMania had started, Rick Biggs' injury aside, it started on a little bit of a flat note. Mm. That for the first time in like years, decades maybe, certainly as long as I can remember, WWE appeared to be structuring a WrestleMania. In much the same way New Japan will structure their cards yes you put the you, matches should go from least important to most important regardless of the quality because wrestlers fight all the time to get that spot on the card if this was an emulation of a sport it's where boxers don't worry about the quality of the fight they're just mm-hmm. gonna be the biggest star and knock the guy out as quick as possible and this card appeared to be doing the same thing they just knocked out a real little gem of a WrestleMania match and then you were looking down what was left and you're thinking well, that's really big, and that's really big, and that's really big. And there was nothing, bar one exception, which of course ended up being cut anyway, <laughs> the um, the tag team match with the New Day and Seamus Sheamus and the lads, that felt like it could be the buffer or the filler. Yeah. It turns out there wasn't one. They relied on their stars and their big fights to do the selling, to keep the atmosphere up, rather than giving people a time for the toilet mm. or for snacks or mm. anything like that. Um, even at the start of the night, I think Becky and Bianca was one of the favourites to go on first. With this belief that, a bit like the Elimination Chambers, let's say, the two women's title matches must be kept as far apart as possible. Turns out, fans will just come if you give them something to (laughs) come from. And this is what you got over and over again. That wasn't an NXT 2.0 type of call. I'm just referring (laughs) to fans' emotions. Every single match after this let people calm down at the start of the match so they could arrive yet again at the finish as excited as they were the last time around. That's what stars do. Well, the next match, let us calm down for the length of Seth Rollins's entries.
1: <laughs> and we'd all talked about, could this, could it, will they, will, won't they? What happens if he pops up in Ring of Honor, for example, or whatever? But Michael Hamplet, adrenaline in my soul. Holy <laughs> f***, it's Cody Rhodes. <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest, I, I said this on uh, What Went Down. Didn't really make any notes for the first time. So <laughs> I thought I might pass out after me and Phil screamed our lungs out when the uh, well the voice of Cody Rhodes yeah. rang out around the AT um, and T Stadium. And I want to point out something that we didn't hear in the mm. stadium, but Seth Rollins is. Welcome to the back. Welcome back to the big leagues,
4: bitch. Line. Oh, he can't help himself, can he?
1: No, there was uh, an inside-out vertical suplex quite early on that was just terrifying. Of like, don't break your new toy. <laughs> uh, we got a buckle bomb on the outside. Uh, there was kickouts from from just about everything. There was curb stomps, dodge left, right, and center. A sort of weird reverse superplex thing mm. that I'm sure you'll get into. The Cody cutter got, got kicked out of the pedigree got kicked out of uh, and then a triple crossroads with a sprinkle and a dusty in there as well got a returning cody rhodes the victory and you and i were, were talking as we were walking out of at&t stadium about how weirdly wwe being as terrible as it is sometimes really helps matches like this because if you watched cody rhodes return let's say to aew you'd think well they're not going to beat him on his
4: first night with WWE, you think, eh, they might. Yeah. <laughs> you are as trained to a company that you pay money towards trolling you as you are being pleased by them. It's the strangest <laughs> consumer engagement. And we kind of like linger on that fact all the time. Like, But this was a, a case of WWE actually giving people what they wanted and getting the spoils of praise and credit and all that plaudits as a result. You know, and so they should. This was a, a truly fantastic end to end presentation of the joint biggest story of WrestleMania night one and an even bigger story than Steve Austin himself when they built it, you know, like the very, the very fact that this was could happen became the talking point ahead of WrestleMania even if kind of Austin grabbed that back a little bit on the night itself. Um, it Really, a match I didn't give enough credit to on the night as it was happening, I was being my usual snarky dickhead self on Twitter, <laughs> Cody and Seth, like, it was very good, it was very well executed but already, like, I was a little bit worried at the beginning that it was having that, WWE anti-magic wand effect and Cody and Seth rest for three, three minutes like oh god he's back in like I was expecting this to happen on Smackdown in the mid card in three months not like after three or four minutes but I think in hindsight they probably knew that everybody would need a bit of time to get their head around what they were watching and maybe wrestling moves weren't going to be that you know like you, you could just stop and stare at the visual of Cody in a WWE ring and that was always going to be enough for mm. this but they wanted the heat by the end they wanted the match to feel like it mattered they wanted you to have things that you remembered to make it feel like there was because there was no rivalry here was there but they wanted you to make you feel that by the end they'd wrestled enough and it had been gradual and it had, that like they had to create the tension the physical tension between the two and they did masterfully like by the end of this they were conducting the crowd as the two generals they believe themselves to be look a variety interview dropped seconds after Cody's entrance hit um and he declared himself to Nick Khan, Vince McMahon, and Bruce Pritchard, apparently as the greatest wrestler in the world, that was his sales pitch to them, and he wanted to show people. and I think this was, as far as Cody goes, especially in WWE, like a pretty he gave a pretty strong account of himself by the end. This was this was really hard fought and it was you know really physical towards the end. But the delicacy with which they use the tease of the pedigree, and as you say, the teas of like hovering WWE fan anxiety that they create through. Like, 364 days of, <laughs> oh, he stole one, surprise roll-ups, the, nah, you don't get you on tonight, all that sort of stuff. We'd been at NXT earlier that day. They'd done it that day. Mm. Like, you like Bram Breaker? Not today. Well, when then? You know, like, so that <laughs> this, this is kind of all they know. Um, and yeah, like, the subversion of that expectation was lovely. Uh, presentation on a stage that big is everything. And the American Nightmare, branding, the music... The, the Cody elevator which we from our vantage point were fortunate yeah. enough to see a minute or so before which, which is ideal because what you want is the magic of the surprise but then the feeling the minute before that oh my god it's actually happening yeah. so I felt like we were in a really privileged position to spot that presentation was sublime anyone that it was that we spoke about in the weeks before that got in Vince McMahon's and said you realise the money you've spent is actually on all of that as much as it is getting Dusty's kid back it, mm. has, to, it has to be that as much as anything else and just finally because I'm sorry I've waffled and my thoughts have gone everywhere on this one <laughs> This is what a competitive wrestling arena is supposed to be. Two companies that allow for jumps like this. AEW has had loads of these because AEW looks like a cool place to work and a load of wrestlers want to go there. And Keith Lee comes out as Keith Lee. Uncomplicated, but it gets to be awesome Keith Lee. Adam Cole comes out and says Adam Cole baby on his first night with okay. a t-shirt that looks just similar enough to NXT's that you feel like the guy has just leapt off one show to the other. Jeff Hardy comes back with his music.
3: With his music. All that sort of stuff. his
4: brother's
0: getting attacked.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: The whole point of an industry with more competitive fire, with more places to work, with more creative outlets is for moments <laughs> like this and... WWE need to watch this back need to like feel all the various reverberations of the weeks to come and realise if they can make themselves an attractive place to work again more of this will happen mm. the Young Bucks own being the elite or whatever it is they, they own enough of the licensing of themselves that they could do this too yeah. and maybe just maybe like for WWE especially Cody will have been on the phone and said man did you see that that's, every, that's everything it looks, I feel it, like this is real. And he opens a, his own forbidden door, the AEW talent that might be disaffected, think, I want a piece of that. Hmm. It's down to WWE to sell themselves as an actual viable business alternative again, because we're in that space now. And most importantly, Phil, the WCPW kind of goes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely, up to two on that
3: show.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I absolutely loved every minute of this, like you say, from the very get-go when... Steph came out and did his entrance, and then everything went dark, and they just left it and left it. And like we were saying to each other in the crowd, like, "What happens now? Does like Vince come out and does he uh, introduce him or anything?" But right I'm so they happy yeah. they didn't do mm-hmm. anything. They didn't complicate it. They just left it a while for the crowd's anticipation to build up, and then when that music hit, the whole place went absolutely nuts. And it's genuinely like a moment that will like stick with us for absolutely forever. <laughs> Insane. I'm just reliving it. Then sorry, yeah. I apologize there. I
4: don't know. We obviously we're not privy to the commentary. That was a WrestleMania moment. Yeah. That will like that will be lived through in the yeah. years to come.
0: Like we said when we were in the crowd as well, like this is six years of his life or whatever it is mm-hmm. that he's built to that specific moment he's gone off he's done all of these other things and the sort of culmination of all of that is that insane incredible reaction that he got during 75 in front of 75,000 people See see Penny tweets that I'm just going to copy here this say there you
1: go if you're a WWE mid-conter that's all you have to do <laughs> <laughs> um, right let's talk Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown winners championship because I think the conclusion to this was very controversial but I'm going to go to bat for WWE here um, early on it was, I saw people say, this is bowling shoe ugly? And I was like, yeah, I think it's meant to be. They just battered each other yeah. uh, and just hit each other with just really stiff looking shots, basically. Uh, there was a, a judo throw off the top rope from uh, from Ronda Rousey. Uh, there was a pipers pit that Charlotte then escaped the armbar afterwards. There was an ankle lock exchange. There was Charlotte nearly tapping. Then then there was a Ronda nearly tapping uh, during the figure eight. And then, well, we technically got two victories for Ronda Rousey. She uh, she pinned her with the piper's pit, but then Lil Natch, controversial choice for oh, referee, yeah. uh, waved it off because he didn't realise that Charlotte's foot was on the ropes. Uh, and off the back of that, a natural selection had us all bite in on another near fall. And then she goes to the figure eight Charlotte flair. Ronda kicks her out of it, kicks her beautifully. Nice transition as well. This everyone in the right position into a spear on Lil Natch. Uh, we get the... <laughs> visual submission by Charlotte Flair. Ronda Rousey thinks she's got it won. She goes to get the referee up, turned around and just to, into just... I think if you'd have told me beforehand, Charlotte's going to win this with a big boot, I'd have said, <laughs> well, why not, you know, a yeah. figure eight, or maybe not a figure eight, but why not like a natural selection? But the force she put into like, well, this is the end of the match, you can't do anything other than this. She just <laughs> nailed her in the face with it. She gets the one, two, three. She retains the SmackDown Women's Championship, which was a surprise... But, Phil, I talked about this with you afterwards. There's not many times that I go, okay, I'll allow you dragging out WrestleMania Backlash, but this is the
0: perfect scenario for me. Yeah, absolutely. They built all of it to lead into a follow-up match. And it's like, even like when you go down to the finish, it's like you say, no one ever expected this match to end with a big boot, but the way Ronda sold it. Like, she, I mean... Charlotte laid it in. I don't think it took a lot of selling, (laughs) Um, But she sold it like she'd been absolutely knocked out. She did nothing throughout the entire pin. But then once Charlotte had got up and celebrated, like you could see Rhonda kind of come to almost Mm. and then sort of sit up and go like, what the hell just happened? Um, And I think she mouthed you tapped
1: out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is perfect.
0: So they played off that really, really well. Uh, and like yeah, like they say They just kicked the absolute crap out of each other I really really loved it I turned to Hamflat at one point during the match And I was like This is just a scrap And mm-hmm. it's like some of the like, transitions Between some of the submission moves and things Like it wasn't slick Like beautiful amateur wrestling It was just people scrapping Desperately trying to get the other one And it worked really really well And sort of stood out From absolutely everything mm-hmm. else on the card um, but I don't know if we should probably talk about the rumours about Ronda Rousey surrounding this. Yes,
1: yeah, speculation as we've woken up today from Ronda about... Well, from people and then Ronda responding to it, I should say, about her being furious and potentially storming out for not main eventing this show. I don't think there's really any justification in her argument, if I'm perfectly honest, if that's the case. But she seems yeah. to have uh, quashed those rumours. Uh, what did you make of the, the
4: match, uh, Hamsler? I didn't love... When it started by I adored it how it like by the end. And I think that's maybe like speaks to you guys saying that they've done a good job to effectively get you on the hook for a rematch. I think it's a it's a gamble to like put your first not your first pin on Ronda Rousey, but like there was a certain contentiousness to the Becky Lynch mm. one that they could have theoretically had a win the title and protect again for another twelve months. You yeah. could have had a mm. that you could have had her go into WrestleMania next year with one loss to a name and it being against Becky Lynch. This will probably begin the the normalization of Ronda Rousey's win loss record, but it's a Pretty cool way to do it. I think I agree with you. I felt at the end of this like I wanted the rematch. So it was effective in that regard. I was watching in this match to see if like Ronda was continuing to find the old magic and I remain convinced she is. I started to feel it uh, in Elimination Chamber with the the judo gear and those little bits just where I was seeing how she was The facials were coming back, that confidence, that assuredness for somebody that hasn't done that much of this. To have that freakish assuredness and confidence is really quite remarkable. And I saw it here. Um, Yeah, the transitions. When they weren't slick, they were brutal in a realistic way. Mm. So when she wasn't like floating over or holding an arm or holding a leg, when it it got sort of ugly, it wasn't in a janky pro-wrestling way. It was in a way where it was a struggle and that's perfect you know that's absolutely perfect they're getting more tired so they're more likely to make mistakes but equally they've kind of got to defend Mm. they're fighting for their lives at this point I completely bought into that Um, I feel Rousey has to win at Wrestlemania Backlash I don't think this is the sort of situation where you um, and I appreciate you know if she's in for the long haul you've got pay-per-views forever haven't you There's, there's one a month but I feel like you can't take the piss this is on a night where so much other good stuff went down, and not every baby face come in all the time, every time at a WrestleMania. Um, it almost feels right to give Rousey her moment and her night. Like, they absolutely made event WrestleMania backlash. Mm-hmm. There can be no contentiousness now if there was indeed any backstage contentiousness at WrestleMania, or well, at least night one of WrestleMania backlash. <laughs> well, indeed, yeah. Um, so yeah, like, I, I think they've this isn't so much them getting away with dragging out to the match. This is them finding a pretty good justification. A good story, yeah. Good yeah. justification for it. And Rhonda re- when Ronda does reclaim, another reaction for her in Dallas appears to have been mixed over the weekend. But I think when she does reclaim, they've also done enough good work in this programme to have her reclaim as an out-and-out babyface. There won't be those shades of grey without response. Mm. And I think that's pretty cool too. That's that's probably an achievement based on where we're at at the Royal Rumble. Next, never
1: has something personified. Well... Looks like we've had enough talk. It's time for the main <laughs> event because we had the KO show with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I don't think it's hyperbolic to say everyone's dreams came true. <laughs> we got the usual uh, KO intro and, and, and Kevin Owens riling up the fans and uh, uh, basically saying that he's what he's everything he's done to, to, to slag off Stone Cold. He's not the guy that he was, and, and he'll bring him out when he's ready to bring him out. And, of course, Stone Cold waits for no man. The glass shatters. The, the roof comes off the AT&T, as you all have seen, either watching or, or maybe on videos on, on social media. Because, I mean, I don't even know. You know, when like, I used to film gigs? And you're like, why have you done that? Yeah. I can't even really hear what's going on. It's just noise. It's yeah. so loud. That's what it felt like uh, in the place. Stone Cold comes out. And another one where we were very lucky to be sitting where we were because we spotted the ATV. So when he doubled back as part of his entrance... Mm. And then came down the ramp. It was just uh, just a wonderful execution. In terms of back and forth, I didn't write down a great deal of what was said. I'm sure. uh, I told Kevin Owens he looked like a jackass, called him a stupid son of a bitch. Uh, Owens sh- shot on hats, boots, and just going to Mexico because it's right there, which I thought was <laughs> a great line. Um, 75,000 people called Kevin Owens an asshole. And then Owens reveals he's tricked Stone Cold. He wants a fight. He doesn't want any fight. He wants a no holds barred fight. And we all look at each other and go, oh my God, they're going to do it. And they call for a referee to come out. And I think you were right in saying, again, this is something else we talked about, until the bell rang, there's still the possibility that Owens rolls out and goes, eh, not today, or, you know, cheap shots him, or whatever it may be. But no, they clear the, clear the ring out, they kick what's left of the KO show and the <laughs> chairs out of there. The referee comes down, he rings the bell. And I think my only, not concern, but the only thing I didn't want to happen was just stunner, one, two, three for Stone Cold. Because we didn't know what he could do at mm. that point. You know, we were hoping, we've said he was in incredible shape compared to, you know, how we'd seen him and, and the fact it's 19 years on, to be to be fair yeah. to him. He's, what, 50-something now?
4: Yeah, I'd 57. I'm the chairman,
1: yeah. Jeez. Um, and yet no they go up to each other and they punch each other and it's like oh my god I'm getting to see Stone Cold Wrestle this is bucket list stuff Um, and I I will hold my hands up as well and I'm sure Hamflot will be with me on this there was a split second where it started and you're like oh my god I'm getting to see Stone Cold Wrestle and then he gets uh, Kevin Owens in the corner and he has a beer and he stomps on him and you go okay but but is this it? Mm. you know is this maybe he's gassed Yeah, maybe you know that he just can't go the way that he can. Then they fight around ringside. He gets posted and he gets uh, he gets suplexed on concrete. On concrete. No, concrete. On concrete. Um, Owens, Owen's got chucked through a table. There was beers and a fight on the table. It didn't break, which is always better. <laughs> Kevin Owens got tried to leave on the ATV and then effectively got kidnapped, <laughs> brought back. Um, there was several suplexes on the stage pulled off by. Stone Cold, he wasn't just getting chucked about by Kevin Owens, he actively chose to suplex another man a couple of times up on the stage, and again, Owens hits a stunner when they get back down to the ring, and you go, they couldn't, could they? (laughs) I mean, it'd be a hell of a lot of heat, and Uh, what it would do for Kevin Owens, but of course, um, (laughs) Stone Cold Steve Austin kicks out, so Owens goes and gets the chair, swings, it bounces off the top rope, bounces off his head like the rock. Turns round into a stunner. One, two, three. The celebrations were incredible. We shared a beer with Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> effectively, everyone was cheersing from their seat. Um, and Byron Saxton, oh. like the referee, got a beer with him. It was his brother, I think it was, who got in the ring with yeah. him. And uh, yeah, to send everyone home happy. Here another uh, stunner on on KO after the match. But the moment that sent everyone, particularly probably Byron Saxton, home the happiest <laughs> was the beers and then the stunner Classic. on Saxton and uh, for what a what a stupendous <laughs> end to, <not> to <laughs> thirty
0: eight. Yeah, like I, th- I think like the biggest thing of this is like the the builds of the pops as it went along like obviously you got the glass smash and the pop was insane and it was incredible but then as soon as Austin started speaking the command he had over that crowd was absolutely incredible the way he built in the what chants um the way like just when he's got to go hell yeah and the noise from the hell yeah um, when he's like, do you want me to wrestle? KO, hell yeah, Ugh. the place absolutely erupted, but then the the pop for the uh, ding 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 of the ring bell and it's just that everyone in the arena realised that oh my god, this is actually happening, we're actually going to see Stone Cold wrestle so then the pops at the end with the stunners and everything it was just, the extra <laughs> ecstasy running through the entire crowd was absolutely incredible, you talk about that kind of electric crowd moments. it was just that all the way through, um and, yeah, we, we just, we saw Austin's last match, probably. And, I mean, yeah. Byron got, Saxton took his last stunner. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, he got gassed in it. Of course he did. He's a 57-year-old <laughs> man who hasn't wrestled in 19 years. Of course he did. I like the fact that he got gassed and he was like, I know what a solution to this is. More beer. beer. My favourite part of it was when he had maybe one too many of the beers and he drunk some and he's like, you could just see it in his eyes. It's like, I regret that. <laughs> Spit that out. Let's keep on going. This is fine. Oh, dear. Um, but, yeah, it was incredible. Like, in terms of WrestleMania moments, in terms of just... Just being there in the audience, absolutely every part of it was perfect and I loved it and it will stick with us
4: forever. Yeah, of course, yeah, that, that's it, isn't it? It's I, I had a nagging feeling early on and it was around, it was the second mud hole stop. Yeah. yeah. I had a nagging feeling that this it wasn't going well on yeah. television. Um you wouldn't know from the arena. Everybody in that building, of course they were were living and dying by everything that Steve Austin was doing, or indeed everything that was happening to yeah. Steve Austin. I was too. Like, I don't think there was a single person in that. Like, the measure of um, his success is that this probably would have happened at any WrestleMania. But, turns out, like, the kind of rubbish build <laughs> about, like, in Texas. Yeah. Did play into that too. Yeah. They, they got a little they got just enough out of that.
1: We yeah. were honorary Texans, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. We, we'd yeah. Had, so
4: we'd had some uh what was it brisket? We'd have brisket. had brisket. Yeah, had brisket so like, don't you badmouth Texans? <laughs> so that that did kind of work of a fashion But Yeah, I was a little bit worried at the start. I was having a whale of time. Who wasn't? But um the but like people screaming for the bell to ring, people screaming like the word yeah. match carried this just this heft mm. that I don't think I'll ever forget the first point that it got said. It's like you're speaking the thing into existence that none of us dare say. The yeah. WWE didn't say in the build-up because they either wanted to protect this and this was always the plan or they didn't want to say a match and then have everybody's expectations elevated. Yeah. So they, they measured that to perfection as well. This this was about as far away from the half in, half out that the build felt like it was going to be as possible. They gave you the thing they promoted and then they gave you the thing that you everybody wanted but nobody dared to dream because they hadn't promoted it in mm-hmm, the first place. Mm-hmm, yeah. Really incredible execution of how the, uh, the idea. And then it the seems Austin... Took the first bump and as soon as he showed that this wasn't gonna be um the Undertaker choke slamming Elias or Triple H Brackets General. It was just the, the rock at WrestleMania. that six oh, second yeah, match. There. Yeah, the rock in the second match, the one second thing, you know. Um it was you realise, not only is this a match, not only is it, he's got his wrist tapes and his boots on and his knee braces and this is actually happening, but he's gonna you know, he's gonna take eat some sh- of his own here. And that probably was to his betterment. I was uh, had a couple of messages back and forth with Adam Nicholas today, and he made the great point that it was probably like he f- he probably needed that. Like that probably got like taking those first few shots and probably having the wind knocked out of him, yeah. got blood flowing, mm-hmm. and that probably and like the fists after he'd been dropped on his neck. <laughs> were more furious and full of that old Austin Thunder than the first ones, yeah. and I think that's a spot on take because that is probably how you wouldn't you would need it to like obviously seventy thousand people or whatever in, in a promo is still going to give you give you all those vibes. But physically, yeah. he's barely taken a lick. Like, I will say this for the 19-year thing. He's barely taken a lick in those 19 years. He doesn't let people get much in on him. It's mainly stunners and all Like Not many people get some shots in on him. Yeah. Mm. So physically absorbing that for a little bit, especially in the manner he did and the stuff in the crowd. And like it wasn't just Austin battering him. It was back and forth in the crowd. So they were wailing on each other, all sorts of stuff. I think it was necessary for everybody, for us, for Austin, for people watching the television. And I assume after the fact, because I, I did mention that on Twitter and then I was kind of looking at replies afterwards, seems like the majority of people had a whale of a time. So I do think that instinct feeling of, I've seen this WWE nostalgia before, I don't want to see it again with Steve Austin was replaced with. Steve Austin's giving me something different. Yeah. And that collective energy was amazing. And I just, you know, this podcast is about Steve Austin, about WrestleMania, it's not about me. I'm going to talk about me for a second. <laughs> I remember, I can picture it, and I don't like thinking about it. Sat at about four or five o'clock in the morning on March 16th, 2020, watching Steve Austin take a stunner. And I remember us getting together for the podcast the next day on laptops for the first time and disagreeing on how much we got out of Byron, hell yeah, Saxton yeah. <laughs> that day. Because it was as dark as the darkest timeline got. We mm. were just into lockdown, the world at large, you know, this WrestleMania trip that we're on now. Was being cancelled as we spoke, despite Vince McMahon's psychotic best efforts to keep it going. You know, everything, everything was falling apart, and that stunner on Byron Saxton was entirely reflective of that. This one didn't. WWE haven't completed the pandemic, but they did show us, amongst 70,000 people, on the first Mm. WrestleMania after science has done what it can to allow us to live with it, Mm. that we can live with it. I'm not trying to apply coronavirus profundity to Byron Staxon getting stunned, but I felt like there was something to it yeah. I really like I don't know mate, like I, that could just be me I, I find like stupid links between <laughs> things sometimes you know like so and so like the back arse of his gate was yellow what does it mean but it did something to me yeah I did like getting Saxon in the ring there and seeing it on a big screen surrounded by 70,000 people seeing the exact opposite of what we were permitted to see two years earlier in that performance centre when nobody could even say what back to Steve Austin I don't like I don't know, man. Like, and you know that was probably an Austin improv, mm-hmm. and whew, like, it got to me. It really, really yeah. got to me that like, time, to, time. To, not to, we haven't. This isn't over, but there are ways to live with it. So let's live with it. Yeah, and it's, it, like
1: you say, the, the, the memories of this, of of uh, uh, Stone Cold returning and wrestling, of Cody Rhodes coming back to WWE, of title changes and things like that, will stay stay of this for a long time. But also just the atmosphere leaving. Yeah, you know, we, we're panicking and going, oh, "We've got to get out here. We've got to film and blah 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 blah." Uber just, Q, uh, Uber Q flashbacks of yeah. WrestleMania thirty-five. Just yeah. the whole sense of, of everyone coming out of that was just so genuinely lovely to be a part of. Mm. And the beauty of it is, we get to do it all over again tonight. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Night two of WrestleMania. <laughs> how the bloody hell it's going to lose. up to? Um, but let us know your thoughts on night one of WrestleMania thirty-eight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. WWE. Watch, uh, well, they can follow all four of us. You can follow <laughs>
4: Phil at Phil May Chambers, and you can follow Michael Hampl at uh, Michael Hampl, and you can follow Simon Miller at Simon Miller three one six. Follow me at Adam Willbold. Follow
1: us all at WhatCultureWWE. WWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling Wherever you get your podcasts from For daily wrestling podcasts of course uh, We'll be back Probably in the same bar that we were sat last Oops, night so nice and nice and nice. Reviewing Wrestlemania 38
4: night 2 In a few hours maybe With a beanbag tossing game Indeed In a very Bill Murray moment Where he bumps into you in the street And then leaves and they say And you know what They'll never believe you The sh- <laughs> the, uh, the shot I performed last night that only Alan were one saw. Yeah. Nobody will ever believe us. It's incredible. Um
1: but for now, it has been the WrestleMania thirty eight night one review. My thanks to Phil, to Hamford, to Miller. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.